I really stand here in awe this morning of our God. I had no idea when, when I said that I would speak today what God had in store. And he's been working on me and teaching me tremendously. And I'm just thankful that he's not done with me yet. From our children's story, the one thing I'm learning about God, I grew up that we had to do this and you had to do this and you had to do that. 100% wrong. What you have to do is let God work and take what he gives you. It's actually really easy. It's, it's very hard to go wrong. God wants to do this for us. And from our children's story to our special music, we didn't coordinate any of that. And it's about God and what he wants to do for you, for me. I don't stand here today because I've arrived. I'm learning. And I learned a bunch this week. And I've learned even more this morning. And I'm just amazed at how God cares about the little things and how he brings everything together. Let's pray one more time, if you would, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your Bible, for your word. Father, we thank you for the natural things that happen around us each and every day and from the spiritual lessons that you're willing to teach us if we'll ask. Father, I pray that you will clear our hearts and minds, that you will give me thoughts and words to share, and that we all can understand the message that you have for us today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know I work at the thrift store. We meet a lot of public. How do you talk to the public? It needs to be natural. We need to look at what's going on around us, and we need to be able to, to talk to them about that and to draw in spiritual lessons from that. So I would ask you, what holiday did you just celebrate? Fourth of July, Independence Day. What does it mean to you? Give me a few answers. What does, what does Fourth of July or Independence Day mean to you? Freedom. How about our young people? What does Independence Day mean to some of them? Fireworks. Day off. No matter what we're talking about, I want to challenge you to go back and learn the history of it. Where did this come from? When did it show up? Why do we have it? And what are we supposed to be doing in everything? <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question now. What day is Independence Day? Are you sure? Do you know that our Congress got together on July 2nd and they signed saying that we were an independent nation on July 2nd? It took them two days to draw up the Declaration of Independence, at which point all of Congress signed it. James, uh, John Adams would not attend a 4th of July celebration. Independence Day was July 2nd. And that was right there when it happened, and they were already having conflict. How many more things, especially in the Bible, that happened a couple thousand years ago do we really understand? Do we have the picture? When did it start? Why did it start? Where did it start? And what are we supposed to be doing about it? 
You probably find it interesting that we're talking about a spiritual independence day. And what verse did we just read for our scripture reading? Daniel 2, which is what? The image, the statue. As Adventists, we've heard this how many times? A lot. Most of you have not heard what will be shared today. And the first time I heard this, it spun my head. I could not believe how God was reaching out to us and how he wants to share with us. And you will never look at Daniel 2 the same again, I pray. May God give me the wisdom to share what he has for today. I was impressed with Daniel 2. Any God that could tell that far ahead, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm impressed. I'm also impressed with Daniel who has the confidence, he knows what he heard because he's going to go before the king and say, this is your dream. I can't do that. <laughs> and Daniel knew he heard God's voice and his life was on the line and many others. And he walked in and said, there's a God in heaven and this is your dream. So by the time he got to this is the meaning of it, he already had the king. The king was listening, the king was paying attention. And I believe that God has something for us again today when will we have a spiritual independence day? Christ's second coming? I believe so. Can we have one sooner? Let's go back to our scripture reading for just a minute. Daniel 2. I want to put a picture in your head. Daniel 2, 32 through 35. It says, this image head was a fine Bible a lot today. I'm going to share several verses with you. And it's kind of like just a little mini Bible study, if you will, today. Mark 3, 24 says, If a kingdom be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Did we see that in the literal image? When the kingdom started dividing against themselves and fighting God, they fell, correct? And so it is with our spiritual. And this is where God is working on me. We have to get the spiritual side together or we will fall also. And we will not come to that Independence Day that he wants us to have. So I want to break it down a little bit. I want to go look at the mind, at the head. Do your mind or thoughts ever wander? It's life. You can be praying and, God, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. It's, it, it's life. But we want to walk closer with God so that it doesn't keep happening. I wonder if God has anything in the Bible to talk about our minds. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. There's many, many verses. I've just pulled a few out to share with you today. Philippians 2, verse 5, says, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Has that ever happened before? I believe it happened in the Garden of Eden. I believe his name was Adam. And God brought the animals by to see what he would name them. I think they already had a name. But because Adam had the mind of Christ, when the animals came by, Adam knew what its name was and he called it out. Adam had Christ's mind. And he was able to say what Christ would have said. I want that. I'm not there. I need that. I need the mind of Christ. Have you asked for that? If we don't ask, we won't ever get it. And it doesn't happen overnight. 
It takes time. By God's grace, we can get control of our minds, and we need to, especially this day and time. There's so many things trying to get to our minds. We must get control of them, and we can only do it in Christ. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and, what's that last word? Peace. Is there anything missing out of today's world? Peace. Would you like to have some peace in your life? Where can we find it? Only, only in God, only in his word. To be carnally minded is death. That's not a good road. We've seen many people do that. You may have experienced some bruises and bangs as I have for doing this. We want Christ's mind. We want to be spiritually minded. Go just a few chapters more. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. And this is a hard thing, I think, with all of our, praise God for the new radio station. We're hearing a lot of good things at the store. Um, people are coming by and wanting to support it. We're hearing things in Canada and many other things. There's another way to shape the mind. It's not what you see. It's not what you hear. It's not what is around you. We really need to be careful what goes in the eyes and what goes in the mind. Romans 12:2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I need that. God has plans for us. I need that. This day and time, there's a very common thing. You just need to empty your mind. Watch out. We do, but let's do it properly. The proper way is not to empty out your mind and make a hole. The proper way is to fill it with God's word. To fill it with prayer. And as you fill it, it will empty your mind of the things that don't need to be in there. The carnal things in there. There is never a vacuum or a void in there. That is very dangerous. That's where Satan moves in and that's where bad things start to happen. Don't leave a void. Fill it with God's word. Spending time with him. And you will fill that mind. And it will push out all of the rubbish. Let's look a little bit lower. What's our next one? Head, what's the next one? Heart. Let's look at this chest of heart, uh, chest of silver, or what we would call spiritually our heart. What, would, what, would, what should we know about the heart? Why do we have a heart? What does it do? To what? Pump blood to? The entire body. Is the heart important? Yes. What do you hear all the time now, wherever, talking to your friends, on the TV, whatever? Follow your, follow your heart. Does that sound like good advice? We need to go back to the Bible and find out, don't we? I wonder if the Bible has something to say about your heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Let's go to Jeremiah 17, verse 9. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is, what's that next word? Deceitful. Deceitful. 
above how many things? Should I follow my heart? Do not follow a heart that's not attached to God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I need to give that heart to God. I need to let him make changes in that heart. If you continue just the first part of 10, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. If God is searching our hearts, doesn't he care what's in that heart? Do you think he has plans for that heart? Let's go to Matthew 22, verse 37. Um, I just drew a blank. My brother was talking this morning about the rope, the rescue rope, and he threw that bag out. If you were in the water and you caught that bag, would you just kind of just, okay, pull me in? Wouldn't you have a hold of that? Like you mean it? That is the only way you're coming out of this water. And if you've ever seen the swift water rescue or anything like that, sometimes holding on is not enough. You've got to wrap that thing around and you've got to hold on to it like you mean it. In the same way with our heart, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Not a haphazard, a little bit here, a little bit there. How should we hold on to him? With everything, like your life depends on it. Because it does. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23. I really love the Bible. Don't underestimate it. Why are those words in there? Why are they in that order? What is God trying to say to us, to me? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And everyone in here can answer yes to that. When the heart is right, the issues of life are a lot easier to deal with. And if the heart is wrong, we can make a mess. And it is really difficult to deal with. What's the first word in that? Keep. It doesn't say make it. It doesn't say do it. It says what? It says keep. What does that mean? The heart has already been there. From a child, God has given you his heart. Keep it. Keep it golden. Do not let that heart get away. Do not let it become jaded or hardened. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Again, I'm so thankful in the Bible that it's not me that I have to do something. God has already done it. I just have to keep it, not let it go. Hang on to it. Jeremiah 29, 13. I don't want to say there's nothing that we have to do, but if you'll break it down and you write it down on a page, what we have to do is the easiest part of the equation. But we still need God to do it. We cannot separate him from it. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Hang on like you mean it. God, this heart is deceitful and it's wicked. And I want it gone. I need you to give me that heart that you have. 
I want to feel for other people like you feel for them. With our head, God, I want to see others as you see them. Come back to the mind and heart of Christ. Going a little bit further down. We're going to get on some toes now. Whenever we talk about food, boy, people, don't, don't, don't talk about my food. What's the next one? The belly. I think I've told you before, but I remember when God was convicting me on this food, and I was like, it's not really that. I was working out on a flight line. We had F-18s and all kinds of other military aircraft out there, and we would go to something called the Gee Dunk. And on Thursdays, they had country fried steaks, potatoes, and gravy, and corn. And I remember going out, and we would go eat, and then we would go out on the flight line. You have to pay attention on the flight line. You don't want to be the one guy who drops something out there or that screws something up when these planes are about to go flying. You can get fired. They'll pull your badge. They'll drive you to the gate and throw you out. Bye. Have a nice life. They don't play around. We would go eat, and we would go sit in a truck. And I remember watching the guys. I'm like, man, he just fell right asleep. What do you think I did? I didn't have a steak. I'm healthy. I didn't have a steak. I just had the gravy and potatoes and corn. And I'd fall asleep. And we would wake up when the jet started. Now, fortunately, our job was later on in the process and not the startup of the jet. So no one really saw us sleeping, although we could have got fired for being asleep out there on the, on the tarmac for sure. And I began to, to watch this, and God was saying, your diet affects your health. I said, okay, let's find out. I'll forego the gravy and the potatoes. Not that they're bad, but consider your ingredients that are in them. And so I stopped doing that, and I'd sit there, and I would watch my guys go to sleep. And I would wait and wait and wait, and the plane finally came up. I said, hey, wake up. we got to go to work now. And after about three weeks, I said, it's not the food. I know it's not the food. I'm going to eat today. And I did. I went to the ghee dunk, and I ate my potatoes and gravy. In my corner, and I sat on the truck, and sure enough, he fell asleep. And I said, look at him, he's asleep. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I heard the jet engine start up. And I said, it is the food. It does matter what we put in this belly. And I'll tell you straight up, I remember the first time when I was in Mississippi, and God said, I'm going to make you a vegetarian. And I said, this is a really, really bad idea. This, this, I'm not in. This isn't good. And he took me to California where they eat a lot of health food. And you can't find a lot of the stuff you can find in Mississippi. <laughs> and God began to change my diet. I'm thankful for it. He's still working on it. My diet is still improving. It's not where it should be either. I'm a work in progress. But I want God to continue on. How important is food? What was the first temptation? It actually wasn't the apple. That's what we commonly think. I'm going to say that the first temptation was doubting God's word. Don't ever doubt God's word. It's okay to say I don't understand it. Help explain it to me, but don't doubt God's word. But along with doubting God's word, what did Satan use in there with doubting God's word? Food. Do you think that today Satan uses food to cause us heartache? I believe it with all my heart. The belly is very important. Jeremiah 1, 5. Jeremiah 1, 5. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. 
Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Is that just for Jeremiah? Is that the only one that God's formed? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So not only did God form in the belly, but he had plans for you. Is the belly important? It's very important. And we need to be careful what we put in there. Even if there aren't children coming out of it. We still need to be careful. Proverbs 13.25 Proverbs 13.25 Do we need to eat? (laughs) You can only go so long without the food. You can skip a day or two and fasting is actually good for us. But we do need to eat. Proverbs 13.25 says The righteous eateth to, to the satisfying of his soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. Are we just eating, 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 eating? Or are we eating enough to sustain life and to go on and do what we need to do? I've put on a few pounds in the last several months. I'm sitting at my desk too much. I don't get up and do what I need to do. It's telling on me physically. I'm having trouble doing the things I used to do, cutting wood and other things like that. The belly affects our health. And that's one of the things that God is saying we need to work on. I want to look at one more. Philippians 3. And this is Paul talking to us. And I think there's a word of caution in here for us. Philippians 3, 17 to 21. Philippians 3, 17 to 21. This is Paul speaking. He says, brethren... Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have for an example. Who's following God? Who should we? And you should only look at someone as they're pointing to God and following him, or we're going to get into trouble. Verse 18 says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, Whose end is destruction, Whose God is their belly? Do you think that we just wake up and make our belly our God? Or does that take time to ease into that? There's very few sins that you just walk into and say, I'm going to do this. It's the little things in life that start here day after day and come over and get us into trouble. whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. What should we be doing? Thinking high, heavenly things. Put our thoughts on God. Verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Do I have to do this? Or can I let Christ do this? Can I ask him to change me? Have we done this? We need to. Let's look at the last one. The legs and the feet. How is your walk? How is your walk with Christ? Is it, important? Is it good? 
is our walk important? Do you know how to walk? I see smiles. You guys think I'm tricking you. I'm not. Do we have any problem walking during the daytime? What about a new place that we've never been? Do we have trouble walking there? I'm going to tell you, as a firefighter, we learned how to go in a house and go throughout the entire house and come back out the front door. I've never been in your house before, and I can't see where I'm going. But I still need God to lead and guide my feet and lead and guide my steps. I wonder if God has told us that he would do that. Psalm 119. Satan has a substitute for everything. Boy, he tries to, oh, yeah, I'm good. I, I can feel a step. I know where I'm at. I can go through this. Pride goeth before a fall. We will get into trouble. We need God to help us here. Psalm 119, 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can you see where you're going now? If you're out there at nighttime and there's a light in front of you and it's showing you this way and this way and this way, wouldn't that be sweet? Now, I'll give you fair warning. It may go down a really steepy spot or a rocky spot. You may have to stop and figure out how to get across that. Many people would tell you that God's way is just smooth and roses. And I'm going to tell you it's not so. But I'm telling you that there's a God in heaven and he's got a hand and he would like to get your hand and he would like to walk with you. He would like to lead you in the path you should go. And if he's leading you, do I have anything to worry about? Don't let go of that hand. I want God's hand. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Is this a path that you've walked before? Somebody in here had a birthday yesterday. They have never been at this age before. And today is a new day. They have not walked on this day before. Right? And that actually goes for every one of us. We all need that. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not sight. How do we walk by faith? I know that's God's hand I've got a hold of. And he's going to tell you sooner or later, if you're walking with him, to leave the land you're in and to go to a place that he's going to show you. For my wife and I, that was Idaho. We were looking elsewhere. And people couldn't believe we were going. Why are you going there? You don't even have jobs. We've got God's hand. We've seen God's working. And that's where he's leading. And that's where we're going to go. And I'll tell you what happens after I get there. Call me in a couple months. I'll tell you what he did. He does that to take us out of our comfort zone. The day's coming ahead when we won't have a clue what to do. You better have grabbed that hand before then. You better know who holds that hand, who's attached to the other end of that arm. And you need to have 100% confidence in it. And wherever it goes, we walk by faith, not by sight. God has led it in the past. He has never let me down. I have turned loose of him and caused some trouble. But he has never let me down. And praise God, when I turn around, guess what's still there? Would you take my hand again? Come here, I'm going to pull you out. Come on. Take my hand again. That's the loving Christ and Savior that we have. Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. God doesn't leave us without 
an example without a way to go. We don't have to figure anything out. He's got it all out for us. And this is just mind-blowing, that God is so smart that he said what to do thousands of years ago. And guess what? It still works today. I tell my employees what to do, and by the afternoon, I have to go change my plans. (laughs) I am not God. I am not that wise. I need his help. But God says it in thousands of years, me versus you. The plan works for me. It works for you. That is an amazing God who can figure that all out and has a plan for us. Micah 6, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. And I'm going to tell you, when you walk with God, there is no other way to do it but humbly. You stand in awe. I cannot believe that he still wants me to walk with him. I cannot believe that he has this all figured out. We heard about Hannah and Adrian coming to town. Adrian, brother, you got a job already. That sounds like a blessing from God to me. He's got a plan. I've got your hand. Walk with me. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Colossians 2.6. Colossians 2.6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We should spend enough time with Christ. Have you ever noticed when people start walking as you walk, what happens? The legs get synchronized. We usually walk together. Have you ever noticed that? If you've been in the military, that's not accidental. That's on purpose, but yeah, it happens too. There's a synchronization there. And when we walk with Christ, there should be a synchronization in there. When people, God's ideal is that when people look at us, that they see what? Jesus. This is very, very important because when the Father looks down and he makes the judgment call, if he sees me, what happens? I'm done. I have nothing to offer. But if he looks down and I'm wearing his son's coat, his robe of righteousness, if I'm in step with the Father and I'm walking as Christ did, who does he see? Praise God for Jesus. He sees Jesus. And now I stand a chance. Isn't God amazing? Does our walk matter? I think it does. The image of Daniel 2 is not just the rise and fall of nations, but also of man. I believe it is an image of you and I. And depending on how you look at it, it can be either be a warning If you do this, you're going to devalue yourself until the point I have to destroy you. Or it can be a guardrail. Many times it depends on which side of the fence you're on, how you see it. It should always be presented as a guardrail. If you will follow God, if you will do God's way, he will protect you from going over the edge. He will keep you from these scars that so many of us bear. He will keep us from many of these bad incidents, happenings that have happened to us. 
if we will follow God and do things his way. Today, on a spiritual independence day, I ask you, I beg you, to never look at the Bible as stripping away your rights or freedoms. God is showing us today how to stay golden. He does not want us to experience these pains and sufferings. God is giving us guardrails for our safety. I find it very amusing. God has an amazing sense of humor. What do you think they put in on the road I drive this week? If you, any of you run on Deep Creek Road, coming down from 95 down, guess what they just put in? Guardrails. What do you think my mind was wondering for a week or two as they're paving the road and doing all that, and I'm looking over the edge, I'm like, good thing not doing this in winter. I'd hate to slide because I've, I've slid into that guardrail before after leaving a board meeting. I'm glad it was there. Now it's not. What if I go over that edge? It's going to hurt. God says, I've got guardrails for you. It's not a mean God that says you can't do this. He says, son, right over there is trouble. <laughs> you don't want that. Go back to the Garden of Eden. The first time I saw this, it just blew me away. Satan came and told Adam and Eve that God doesn't want you to know. He's holding something from you. He doesn't want you to know sin. Did they already know sin? I'm going to say yes. God told them that sin existed. They didn't want it. Leave it alone. They didn't feel it. They didn't know it experientially. God already, they already had what Satan was promising them. Do you see God's love in that they didn't actually experience the sin that you and I do and the pain and the problems that go with it? Again, God had put a guardrail there and it said, hey, sin exists. He didn't tell them about Lucifer and Satan and everything else. Going. He, he probably did, but he didn't go into great detail on it. He didn't explain what would happen down through the thousand years to you and I and all the death and pain and suffering. He said, sin exists. It is not pretty. You don't want any of that. Don't go there. You will surely die. And what did Satan come saying? You won't surely die. What have we done? Thousands of years we have died. This week, three people that I know. One, a volunteer in the store. Many of you know Leslie Dudley. Beautiful lady. And another friend in Mississippi. Three people laid to rest this week. You will surely die. It's time to have our heads right. It's time to have our hearts right. It's time to get our bellies right. Our walk with Christ right. And today, we can have that spiritual independence. And if we have it today, praise God, we will have it when he comes again. I want that. I need that. I'm sorry some of you didn't know. Please keep Leslie and her family in prayers. Well, keep Leslie's families in prayers. But Leslie has passed away. I didn't mean for you to find out quite like that. Um, life, is, life is very difficult. Let me ask you a question here as we wrap up. Who in the Bible had the most armor going into battle? Give me one name. Goliath. Probably the biggest guy we know of, right? Had all this armor, more than Saul. Saul had an impressive one. You can hardly lift his sword. 
But Goliath had more armor and bigger. And what did Goliath do? He made an open spot in that armor. And it cost him his life. God wants to give us armor for our minds, for our hearts, for our stomach, and for our legs. Don't move any of it. It's been known to be fatal. And we don't want that. On the other side of that, opposite Goliath, we have Enoch. Enoch wore all his armor. Enoch walked with God. This is very, very important today. Do you know why? Because if you and I don't meet an untimely fate, I believe that many here today are going to walk with God again, and he is going to walk us into heaven. I believe that Christ is coming very, very soon. And we need to be preparing today to walk with Christ. And one day he's going to say the same thing he said to Enoch. We're closer to my home than yours. Come home. I want to be ready when that day happens. And for the bad days that are going to come in between that, I especially want to know whose hand I'm holding and who I'm walking with. Today is the day to make wrongs right. Today is a day to spend more time with God and lifting him up. And again, we've been given a beautiful promise in the Bible. It says, if I be lifted up, that is not Wayne that needs to be lifted up. If I be lifted up, who's I? Christ. If Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men and women to him. That's what we need. That's where we get our independence. Will you today give up your dependence on man and his ways? Will you learn God? Will you learn to depend on Him? It sounds kind of strange because we're depending on Him and yet we have independence. The best days of my life was the fire department. I showed up at 6.30 one day out of three and my day just happened. I didn't have to worry about anything. I was fully equipped. I was taken to every scene. I just had to work once I got there. We can have that same independence in Christ. We just get up every morning, we study, he prepares us for the day, he will lead us throughout the day, he will take us, he will give us the thoughts and words to share with his children, and along the way he's going to teach us. And we can have independence, we don't have to plan. This is God's world, this is God's mission. What would you have me to do today? Get your mind aligned with him, get your heart aligned with Christ, get your belly aligned with, with him in our walk with Christ and we will have say it with me independence spiritual independence today you have a choice in Matthew 21 44 and I've heard this verse mocked before and I'm not quite sure why I don't understand it because to me it's really really simple Matthew 21 44 says whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken meaning Christ how do we fall on Christ and be broken? I would say that that's baptism. The whole statue just fell down. And it fell on Christ. And we're broken. The alternative is, on whomsoever it shall fall, this stone, it will grind him to powder. 
If we don't fall on the rock in baptism to Christ, if we don't follow his way, what happens to that statue in Daniel 2? That rock hits it, crumbles it to dust, scatters it. It's the same in the spiritual. We need to be broken by Christ. We need to be willing to submit to him. Let that old man drown. <laughs> I know Brandon says drown, drowning's bad. It is. But spiritually, we need to drown. We need to let God have that. And we need to come up in Christ with his mind, with his heart, his stomach, and his legs. The statue of Daniel 2 is the nations would not look to Christ to be broken and got destroyed. Today, the choice is yours. Are you going to fall on the rock and be broken? Or are you going to let the rock fall on you and crush you and scatter you? I pray you never look at Daniel 2 the same. I pray that you will search these scriptures and you will ask God, teach me something new from your word. Not some strange, crazy thing. Teach me more. Help me to walk closer with you each and every day. I'm reminded you have not because you ask not. My prayer is that we'll ask today and every day. Thank you, Wayne. Our closing hymn is number 309. 309. Please stand with us.
just one thing that I could give you it would be God's word there is so many stories still in here waiting to be dug up so many directions waiting to be found I know we started a Bible reading program a while back we had the board out there if you fell off if you're not doing it or if you are doing it let's do it some more let's find out what's really in here Let's find out about that God who keeps all of his promises. I want to be able to walk with God when he comes back. I want to see him in the clouds. And I want to see each and every one of you there also. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the things that you've taught us. Father, please help me help us to apply these things to our lives. Help us to hold on to you like never before. Help us to have the mind of Christ, to have your heart, to see your children. Help us to have a heavenly belly. Help it not to be a stumbling block or a God to us. And Father, please, our walk, help us to walk with you Help us to see those around who aren't walking so well and to just wrap an arm around them and encourage them in their walk. Father, thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And as we leave this sanctuary today, may we not leave your presence. Please continue to teach us, continue to lead and guide us. And we thank you for loving us, for hearing and answering our prayers according to your will and what's best for our eternal salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.